Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me today is Katie Hill. Katie is an intuitive life coach, grief mentor, and longstanding member of the Grief Club. As a coach and mentor, she provides support strategies, understanding, and compassion for individuals who have experienced devastating loss, helping them to move through the process of reinventing their life and identity by investigating the way behaviors and limiting beliefs impact their day-to-day lives Katie helps them build strategies to shift these patterns. Whether they're new to the grief club or longstanding members, the results can be transformative, leading to greater acceptance, healing, empowerment, and growth. The grief journey Katie has traveled since the devastating loss of her significant other to suicide in 2010 has culminated in a passion and gift for supporting others as they too navigate the long and arduous path that grief is with the mission of providing the kind of highly personalized and compassionate support she wishes she had during her most vulnerable times. Thank you so much for being here. And isn't that true? The support you wish you had. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sam. I feel so blessed to be having this conversation and sharing it widely. Yeah. And thank you for everything you do. There's just not enough of these conversations or people doing this work in this world. (laughs) It's it's uh, it's a hard thing to talk about, but it, I think it continues to get better. I get I get more open the more we're willing to be with it. Um, it's at least the conversation of mental health and suicide awareness and the conversations around that have come a long way. Um, even in the ten years since. Um, I experienced losing Matt to suicide and definitely in the like, you know, years, the 10 years prior to that, um, when uh, in the course of the time that we were together, it was just not something that was talked about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't, there wasn't programming in schools, right? Like now there's like training, like, Hey, how do we pay attention to what some of these things are now? Could it be better? Yes, but at least it exists in a way that it didn't before. And it's all thanks to people like you, Sam. They're loud and proud and willing to talk about it. Well, suicide is a world of its own. There's so much more stigma than there is with mental health health and grief to begin with. But Colorado is a world of its own, right? Like I'm originally from Michigan. Okay. We, we have far to go everywhere, but it's bad here, right? Like it's it's worse here. Um, there, it's talked about much more. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, it's addressed. There's much more support in the schools. Um, so we've connected through Krista, who has been on this show um, mm-hmm. and is from Colorado and let me know that it's mm-hmm. not just my imagination. It, it's not addressed in the schools here. Not, not the way it should be. It's not talked about. Like It's talked amongst um, and shared there's information available to like adults, but it's not one of those things that is like mental health is it's getting better, but they like gear it towards like, let's talk about mindfulness. It's sort of like that sugar coating thing that really like irritates me about 
<laughs> all of the topics. I'm definitely not a sugar coder. You ask any of my clients and I usually am like in, I don't know, before we even start actively working together, usually the F word comes out of my mouth at least once. And I was like, oh, by the way, I swear a lot. So hopefully that's okay with you because that's just what feels real to me. I'm, I'm not like, I don't know. I get really irritated by the placation of it's like it is really hard and we're allowed to say that it is um well just before we started recording I said you know (laughs) how are you right and you said what answer do you want and we were just (laughs) talking about the fact that I don't tell you I'm okay if I'm not you know I am approaching six years without Jim I still cry like it's it grief is real it doesn't end it's invisible and this world believes that it's temporary because a lot of people don't say that they're not okay. Correct. Well, my, I've, I've worked actively to try to shift for myself from the phrase, from the question, how are you to how you hanging? Because I feel like we're all sort of hanging in some way, regardless what we're sort of navigating in our world and so it's sort of like and I sometimes then follow it up with and how hard is the wind blowing is it precipitating today like are we talking about gale force here or like no we're just hanging it's pretty all right um but the times that I get asked how I am like I've sort of defaulted depending on who it is and where I am my favorite answer is well for the purpose of this conversation I'm fine. And then I don't necessarily have to share more than I want to. I'm also being honest. I, you know, it's sort of like, well, which, it, or I say, which version do you want? The real one or the one that's going to make you feel comfortable? <laughs> that's what it, so I talk with my clients about this too. I, I did an episode on, we don't want you to ask, how are you? Because most people don't want the real answer, right? My client, I'm allowed to ask, how are you? Because my clients know I want the real answer. I am a safe place for them to give the real answer. But most of the world isn't prepared for us to say, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Ready to hear it? You know, um, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't care. I don't care if I make people uncomfortable. I really don't like the truth needs to be right. Like somebody's allowed to say my stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make us uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. If you're going to get sick, like, please run. <laughs> please don't throw up on my shoes. But That's- why is that different? Why are we allowed to raise our hand in school and say, I have a tummy ache. Why can't we say I have an emotional ache? Like, that's the world I would like to be living in. Right. Yeah. I think that um, emotional education is huge in that, like, so here's something else that not a lot of um, people not well, people who know me really well know this, but I also worked in special education in the public schools for almost seven years with kids with really severe disabilities. Um, so we're talking students that are nonverbal, that have really 
um, cannot be a, aggressive or really um, sort of high behavior tendencies and things like that. Um, but what I gained in a lot of that experience was additionally, like, we don't always have the language to truly articulate and get to what we're feeling. And I observed this in myself as I moved through my, as I continue, I mean, because I continue to move through my grief, grief process, it's never ending. Um, it's, you know, it's an ongoing new awareness comes all the time, every day, usually like out of left field and smacks you in the face and you're like, damn, that hurt. Like, <laughs> could you have flown a little less fast? Um, but uh, building the awareness of an understanding that I would think that I felt angry about something when, and I would come out on the surface as being really angry about something that didn't make sense, right? Like the dishwasher isn't loaded effectively. We'll just use that as an example because I think everyone can relate to a one side or the other. They're either the person who <laughs> doesn't load it correctly and is on the receiving end or me, the type A that like wants to play Tetris and it needs to make sense. Anyway, so on the surface, it looks like I'm really angry, but what's and I think I feel angry about what this is, but what's underneath it is actually anxiety around feeling out of control, which then is directly related to having lost someone very close to me at the center of my world to suicide in that way that this thing that exists that I have no control over. I can't change it. I can't magically somehow make it different. I can't play Tetris and rearrange it and make it make more sense. Um, and so being able to identify the difference between what we're sort of thinking we're feeling on the surface versus what's really under it, that level of emotional intelligence is, it takes a really long time to get to. And honestly, that's what I would like to see taught more in schools or in work environments? Like how do we find common language so that we can really understand what we're experiencing so we can have an educated, like we can actually support each other because we know what we're taught, we're speaking the same language now. Um, part of the reason I homeschool my daughter because that's like what we do. How do we build emotional intelligence? It can start for anyone listening, watching with, I feel off right now. That's if you're grieving, mm -hmm. if you are feeling depressed, if you're going through any type of transition or crisis right now, that's where it starts. Right. Yep. And I'll start with my clients. Mm -hmm. Like pretend we're a car. Let's take care of our physical self first. And somebody watching or listening will think like, why are you telling people to stay hydrated why are you focusing on sleep? But if we are physically as prepared as we can be, we're in a better place to handle the emotions that my my uh, graphic for grief hab is waves of people, you know, one person drowning and reaching up. Grief is for me, 
Mm -hmm. absolute waves and you can be smooth sailing and one comes out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and will knock you down again. And so you just never know. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And what I, especially at this time of year, right. And God, Christmas like starts before Halloween. Now what's up with that? My seven-year-old asked me like, mom, back like right before Halloween what's your favorite holiday and I'm like um could we just pass (laughs) I I don't ever have a good answer for that and then the Christmas music starts playing and you know I don't know it's definitely not the most wonderful time of the year is it Sam it's oh here we go you ready here's the song for everyone out there if you need a version, it's the most terrible time of the year. Inside, I'm yelling while everyone's telling me be of good cheer. It's the most terrible time of the year. But when I allow myself to know that that's how I really feel, and then when little irritations are things like, why am I not sleeping well? Or why am I constantly irritated and lashing out at my family about x y and z that is like oh this really isn't like a thing when I can recognize what's under it and I can go oh yeah Matt's birthday is at the beginning of December yeah the holidays suck anyway whether you're in the grief club or not I think in general the sort of expectation of what it all is is hard for everybody and then you compound that and it's like oh I can give myself some grace when I allow myself to recognize oh this is tied to this part of me that exists and that awareness in and of itself helps me to like be like oh like okay like it sucks and it's hard but I can give myself some peace and some grace and go oh well maybe I won't do that thing or I'm gonna go to bed early or whatever that looks like or I didn't drink enough water today instead of berating myself I'll just be like I'll try again tomorrow and for me like it is okay to cry my brother like um Jim and I got engaged Thanksgiving weekend 10 years Mm -hmm. ago (laughs) um it's my it's it's my favorite holiday his favorite holiday ours Mm -hmm. together um last year's the first year I was able to go to Michigan Mm -hmm. you know and my brother said don't cry (laughs) right like you you can't cry around the girls and I said then I can never be around the girls like I, I can't ever it's like sweating right and I'm one of those people, it's a song, it's a driving by that, who that, who the hell knows. And especially this time of year. Yes. Um, and, and he thinks it makes them feel worse. They love talking about him with me. He's the one who has the issue, the, on you know, the discomfort, uh, but so many people fight crying Mm-hmm. I have to let it out. Like, sure. if you don't want me to, I can go to a different place. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's and that's something I, I give myself grace with, but I also share open like with my clients. It's like you know when it comes up because it will, like 
if you're able to just, if you're willing to just give yourself five minutes, maybe eventually, like you only need like, you know, a minute and a half, but to really be with it and be like, oh, like, yeah, here it is. I'm going to really feel it. I'm going to recognize for what this part of me. That's how we start to integrate it because it's not ever going to be separate from us. And so we we can build, I build on that. It's like, oh, all right, let's just be with it. And now, honestly, like knowing that we were going to have this glorious conversation about this or like when I'm going to my support group once a month, actually at least several times a week when I'm in the car, I'll turn on music that allows me to touch in to being with that part of me that still hurts. I mean, if we're going, I'm going on 14 years without Matt and it still hurts, but I call it my grief maintenance. And when I make the choice to actually actively touch in and allow myself to be with it, it catches me off guard less often. Um, now, that's only in, let's be honest here, the last like five, six years <laughs> that that's really true for me. And if y'all are doing the math, like that's, you know, a good seven years of not being awesome <laughs> with it. And, um, and maybe we'll get into it. I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share my story with Matt. Um, but what I, it took me a really long time to even wake up. Um, we talk. There's, you know, the Kubler-Roth model of the the seven stages of grief, the seven stages of sort of healing and process. And I've learned to have that resonate with me. And less that it's not never been linear. It's never been linear. Like, I think that model has always bothered me because I had this thought that, like, we're going from one to seven and then I'm done. Like, I did it. Right? I did it. That's why I made a no, face. Because, like, that model, that, that model, like, only 13 pictures made it into the calendar for, for this. Um, but one of them that didn't was my face. It was just a bunch of script, you know, like a big. And, and, and that's what grief is like. It's like a big not of yarn because yeah. it's not linear you know it's it's a mess right well and I've sort of like I've revisualized it as like it's sort of like all these different sort of stages or these places like they they articulate like the different pieces of moving through some of that pretty well I think you know shock and anger and denial all of those things but like it's sort of more like it surrounds me like all of them surround me all the time Exactly. And then I sort of like touch into them sometimes. Like if I had more arms, <laughs> it could definitely be like, you know, four, three or four at once. You exactly. know? But I can say after all these years that like I can be fully in acceptance and still be angry at the same time. I can be in acceptance and have moments of full on denial. Right. Like it. And so it's like it's sort of this ever sort of changing like being aware of what I'm touching into um I identify a lot more in my process with sort of the the Tonkin model of growing into grief 
right? I That resonates much more strongly with me as the experience of it doesn't change. Matt will always be dead. That's not going to change. The fact that he killed himself is not ever going to change. It's always going to be the same and it's always going to be the same size, but I'm bigger. I continue to get bigger. Uh, my capacity for being resourceful, my ability to have those waves, right? You were de describing so those waves come crashing in. It's like, where did where the hell did that come from, right? Like my, my sort of circle and my ability to be resourceful and my capacity to deal with those waves and surface quicker, right? That grows and it gets bigger. But then we get to like the holidays and like my circle little and you know, it's, everything feels a little bigger. Um, but it's taken me a long time to get there, if that makes sense. Like I spent probably the first th the first full year after Matt died, like blackout shock. I I mean bills got paid. I had a lease. <laughs> like didn't inherit anything else that was Matt's except our lease. Lucky me. Um, and but I don't. I mean it's just so hit and miss. I remember very having a very clear awareness of when it was sort of like, oh, let's surface. I sort of describe it, Sam. You, we all like water metaphors. Why do why do why do those of us that work in grief like water metaphors? I don't know. What is it with grief and water, Sam? You have insight into that? Like grief and water, it's just like, I don't know. But I'm not a happy water metaphor girl I sort of describe it as like you know the rock goes into whatever body of water I don't care it can be a pool it can be a pond it can be a river whatever you want it to be and the rock goes in and the closer you are to the center and the closer you are to that rock the longer it takes for the ripples to sort of dissipate right we talk about people move on and it's like all of a sudden like where'd everybody go didn't we all experience the same person dying? And it's like, yes, but we're not as close to the rock, right? Um, for me, I was trapped underneath the rock at the bottom of the pool, wondering if I was ever going to surface. And pretty certain I was going to drown there. Like, I don't even know how to move this rock. It's so big and so much. I can sort of try to ignore it. I can just get sort of numb and like hang out, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> but eventually the rock moved and I surfaced. But then I had to deal with the trauma associated with having lost my my primary person in my world. Um, we were in our 20s, so we weren't married. Hence, uh, I didn't inherit anything. <laughs> other than our lease. I didn't have any rights to anything related to any of that. Um, but then I had to process the trauma of what that was after I got, after you get out, of, you wake up enough to realize you still have all the stuff to deal with. And that took a really long time. So, yeah. And it's still ever evolving. I had like brand new awareness, like two weeks ago. I was like, oh my God, that's why I do this thing. Oh, good job, Katie.
there's less support when it's suicide overdose. So did you, who, who was, who was your support system? You stayed under the rack. <laughs> who, who were my people? My, so I was living in, Matt and I were living in Denver, Colorado. Um, and most of our friends and family, like our closest, oldest, like, you know, when you think about your closest support people, we're all living an hour north in Fort Collins. Um, for those of you who don't live in Colorado, you know, I think where, where we're at. And so, um, and I had a few friends that were right down um, there in Denver, but not close friends. Um, so I would say I actually isolated pretty severely and pretty well. I sort of went to sleep in that way that was like, I can remember thinking very clearly, like, like hell, anybody else's choice is going to change my whole world. Like, fuck that. Like, no, I'm gonna keep doing exactly what I'm doing. Nothing is gonna change, nothing is different. No, this huge traumatic event didn't just occur. Like, let's just keep plowing forward. Like. Keep going to film school, keep hanging out with, you know, like just, you know, and obviously I didn't really, right? Um, I I had friends and family that would call and come see me on a pretty regular basis. Um, again, that first year, I can't say I really remember a whole lot. Um, my mom, my mom told me after the fact that like she would drive down to Denver at least on average once a week because I would call her and be like I'm not okay do I remember that now but I believe her <laughs> um I can tell you right now if um somebody called I just didn't answer my phone and this was like thing for those of you who you know remember um cell phone technology um 14 years ago <laughs> texting was like you hit the same button three or mm -hmm. four times to get to the letter that you want and then you had to like I mean not that we and then you got the little keyboard ones that like you couldn't really work right because the thumbs are like seven times the size of the keyboard so communicating like texting wasn't easy right I feel like um now I've really come to like texting because it gives me um some distance in that way that I can when I'm not optimal still I sort of have a buffer, like I have time to process without like immediately being on the phone. Um, but I would not, I did not answer text messages. I did not return phone calls unless you told me exactly what you needed. You had to be very clear about why you were calling and what you wanted. And maybe I would call you back. Um, People don't understand that part of grief that looking even in 20 Jim passed at the end of 2017 so 2018 same I if you told me that we went to China together I would believe you I have no memory of the first year I tell people you yep. know what they tell me is more accurate than what I believe or remember yep. um but calling people or answering the phone seemed like such a task mm -hmm. I don't know why um, there were certain people, right? Like I could call my dad 
And even though I didn't want him to worry about me, I could still cry to him all the time. Right. That that was like certain people. Yeah. Um, but I I thanked however many years later, the people who called every day and didn't stop calling when I didn't answer because answering felt like a bird. It was like if I'm not and having a horrible day, I might end up crying if I answer this call. Mm-hmm. And if I am crying, I don't want to answer this call and cry to you. There, there's just so many things and people don't get it unless they live it. Correct. Well, and well, yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely right. And like you mentioned that, you know, I mean, bless the people that like, I, my, um, my dad's late wife, she passed two years ago from pancreatic cancer and she, she wrote me a postcard and sent me a postcard in the mail every week for the, like, I feel like every week uh, from the, the time Matt died until I finally moved. <laughs> well, I, not by choice. Understand this, Sam. I got the universe sort of went, this is fun. This has been a fun experiment, Katie. Why don't you go home and get some real support? Because this has been a really great experiment, but it's not working out very well. So, um, you know, everything sort of fell apart again in that way that it kind of does, right? A year, you come up on a year after or just in that window, you know, 12 to sort of maybe 18 months. And again, the world has sort of moved on and you're like, but what the fuck? No, 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 no. I'm only just now waking up to the fact that something really terrible happened. How are you all like past this, like moved past this thing? I'm and upset, upset with me for not for not being for not being there. I'm I do feel very grateful that those that were and are in my closest circle like watched this unfold and knew that this was going and to be a thing. And so when I did finally move home and move back in with my mom to like really recover from all of it and we'll really finally start the healing process. Like I would not say that, I mean, I went to like a class through the Alliance for Suicide Prevention that was like a three day spread out over three weeks. I was like, look, I did it. Aren't you proud of me? I went to the grace class. How then? <laughs> it was, it, I, I was like, I've dealt with death before. I've lost lots of people, which is not untrue. My best friend died when I was 15 and most of all of my biological grandparents had passed by the time I was 16. My great grandma died. I was like with her when she passed when I was 21. So it was like, I was like, oh, this isn't new. I know how to do this. <laughs> that was the funniest story I told myself for a really long time. I know how to do this. Um, but um, as I, I remember the day that things really shifted. Well, and my friend, my my one of my dearest friends um we've been friends since we were 12 so like you know quarter of a century um i remember the day that she called me and i just answered the phone and she she and i talk about this moment and i answered the phone and she's like oh you answered and i was like yeah i did what's up <laughs> But it was, it was like something just like all of a sudden shifted. It was like the fever broke, if that makes sense. And it was like, 
and we we recalled this conversation and her saying, you know, that was the day I realized you were going to be okay. Up until then, kept, kept calling, they kept calling, they kept calling, and everyone kept wondering, like, is she going to survive this? And up until that point, I'm pretty sure I was asking the same question. And then for probably four more years after that, when I really had to get into the work of processing what I had experienced, um, I was, I, the jury was still out. <laughs> Are we going to make it? Um, luckily, I'm really grateful that almost 14 years later, I'm sitting here having this really beautiful conversation with you. Um, having found a way to share my experiences and what I've learned with other people. And that's why we do it, right? I mean, I resisted, <laughs> I'm trained trauma specialist. I was supposed to know what to do also, right? And I wasn't the one telling myself that story. I I had no clue. I was never going to work again in this field, right? I did mm -hmm. not care about other people's problems. I was so lost. Mm -hmm. and resisted this work. Like I, mm -hmm. um, there's no way I can do this. If I go back to this work, it has to be with teenagers. I can do that. Um, right. but the world, you know, the universe has this plan and mm -hmm. I instantly would connect with anyone who had been through loss because they understood it. And I was so passionate about the fact that there were no resources mm -hmm. and um, there was pressure from the world for me to bounce back and know mm -hmm. what to do that. I also got passionate about letting people know that you have to do it your way. And mm -hmm. if you do it anyone else's way, it will be worse. It will be more painful. Um, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was, I was following my intuition but that was new to me. I hadn't lived that way before. So everything I was doing was unfamiliar. And I said to the people who were still around, thank you for staying. Like, thank you for supporting me. Mm -hmm. I don't know who this Sam is either. I'm like, I lost Jim. I'm losing people who don't recognize me and who want fun Sam back. Yep. I'm just this year um, living again. Like this is the first year that I've been excited to do things. I've been having fun, not forcing things. Yep. Um, and so to people listening who are lost, who don't know if you'll smile again, right? Like I really didn't know if I would laugh again. Those are real fears. Those are like deep, deep grief is real. And the world thinks that we're just supposed to get back to this person we were when we've experienced something so traumatic and so major people have lost children, spouses, relationships that like the love of my life, the only person I've ever loved. We don't get to be that person again. Nope. Well, we won't. If, we can't, at least in my experience. Um, I suppose when I talk about all of this, I try to be very like I statements because again, we all like everyone has to journey in their their own way through it. But I can say for a fact that like definitively life before Matt died and life after. Mm -hmm. Katie before Matt died 
and Katie after. And I, I can I can look back now, and I will tell I will say this in full honesty. I often hate the phrase "everything happens for a reason" because it feels like some messed up placation to like make somebody else feel better. Okay, but looking back on the things that I have experienced in my life, like I am Katie now because I experienced all of those things and can say with full honesty, like I wouldn't say that I'm, I wouldn't phrase it as I'm grateful Matt died, right? But like, I feel so grateful to have had the capacity and the the people around me that stayed um, and the tools that I sort of uncovered to then have now been uh, like find the gift in what those parts of who I am now that wouldn't exist without that. Like you, Sam, you mentioned like you sort of like bring into your field those who have also lost people really close to them. And it's because we can see each other. And that feels like it feels like I have this superpower. And when I own it in that way, it's like, yeah, like I see you. And when the, the how beautiful it feels to be seen in what that is. And my same dear friend who then experienced a loss later said, I know it wasn't the same thing. She's like, but Katie, like, you're the only person I know who, who really understands. And so when we find the others that are in the club and we, we sort of like naturally gravitate towards each other in that way, it's like, oh, you see the world through the lens that I see the world now. Um, and for me, like the biggest gift I hope to have come from having lost Matt in such an overwhelmingly devastating way and again there's still so much work to do like we haven't even talked about guilt like oh lord but like recognizing that um that hopefully there's hope I sit at my support group meeting and others who are not even a year out from having lost a loved one to suicide they my hope is by still showing up, they'll go, okay, something can still happen 14 years from now. There's life that can exist that far out. Like there is hope for what this is. Um, and I think that's what building the communities are about is having that. And being able to be like point blank honest about shit and not having to like pretend. <laughs> right. And we're doing big things together here in Colorado and people who meet me now um, see this Sam that I know Jim would is so proud of. Mm -hmm. I would still give anything, right? I would still give anything yeah. to have him. Yeah. I know I'm do like, I know I'm doing these huge things um, that matter that mm -hmm. people don't know it's national grief awareness week december 2nd through the 8th 
blows my mind because there's so many people who need support and um I wouldn't be as passionate about it if I hadn't lived this right you know so I need you know this Sam also to be mm-hmm. changing this world. Um, Katie is speaking live at Healing Together Through the Holidays, so you can hear more of her story live or virtually. Um, and that's, that's, I know it's a big deal in this world, but it doesn't, you know, I would still, I would still rather have him and let someone else trail. trail. Yes, <laughs> right? Doesn't, doesn't make the pain less, but I don't think someone else could do it my way um, with my passion, right? So I do think um, this Sam is here for these reasons. Right. Like we need need to be who we are and live this path because no one can help people the way you do. You couldn't be there for your friend, right? Without Having, having lived it. And the continuing, the, I, I continuing, continue to learn how to live what I've now, like, I've sort of dubbed it the grief life. I said that to someone once and they were like, isn't that depressing, Katie? I was like, well, no, it's honest. Like, we have the, the grief that exists for the rest of our life. Anyway, I was like, am I going to get in trouble for like ripping off thug life? I don't know. But <laughs> I like it and but I keep every day I learn how to continue to live more fully um with this part of who I am and finding the purpose right that like I think that's a human being thing where we're actively seeking meaning and purpose right my seven-year-old daughter asked me like why is it called a chair and it's like lord help me I don't know because someone decided that that was what it was going to be called so that we could communicate about what it is and so and so that it would have purpose and we could create meaning around what something is and so for me the the whole journey that I've taken that's culminated in me finding the path to doing the work that I am doing with people is it's like oh like now there's purpose to what this was there's something to give as a result of what this was. And yeah, I agree, Sam. Like, I was like, man, like, I, every day, I think, I sort of, like, swear at Matt in that way that was like, dude, if you had just stuck around for a little longer, you would have seen the world get a little bit better. You would have seen it, like, completely get crazy, too. But, like, <laughs> how how different things were from the world he was living in that he felt so trapped in and it's like dude you're missing it you know you had so much to give and that like sort of sadness that you know so it's like I would never I would never wish that I I would always wish that it was different and that he was still here but at least now it feels like I have something purposeful to offer as a result of what that is do you only work with people in Colorado? Do you see people virtually? I well, I I work virtually. I work in person. Um, I love working in person because there there's something energetically um, that happens and an availability to what that is. But it is definitely not a limitation. So 
if you are out there and you feel stuck, <laughs> you're like, um, you're in that place where you're about like a year, year and a half out and everyone's like, why aren't you better yet? And you're like, oh my God, I hate you. I don't even know how to like, I don't know. I can't even get my dishes done. Leave me alone. <laughs> like in that place. Um, please know that you're not alone and that there's strategies and tools. If you think your brain is all messed up and different, I'm here to tell you that it is. Your brain physically changes when you experience devastating loss. Um, so congratulations, you now have a neurodivergent brain just like mine. Pretty sure I had a neurodivergent brain before I lost Matt, but like, you know, people, why can't I remember things? Why can't I get the dishes done? Why can't I do these easy things? Because we need, you got to use the strategies to change the neural pathways um, to build on what that is and shift the behavior patterns. And the people that, I've wor that I work with experience, have experienced um, a lot of transformation and awareness and that slow build. Um, so be patient. But be patient, I guess, because it's 14 years and I'm still doing it. So <laughs> you're doing great wherever you're at. I like to say that that's a testament to our love that, you know, it, grief doesn't end because we loved someone that much. Um, I don't lie to my clients. I tell them it gets different. It doesn't get better. I heard you say that. And I was like, oh, that's what I always say. It doesn't get better. It gets different. But here's the other piece of that, Sam. It, it doesn't get better and gets different. But we get better. Yes. And we, we grow and get different. And because, yeah, it it just is what it is. But I was so, I was like, oh, we're like kindred spirits. I was like, Sam speaks my language. <laughs> so you can see or hear more of Katie during healing together through the holidays, which if you don't know, um, the actual event doesn't start until the second, but the holidays are now. So the pre-event stuff will come to your email beginning on Thanksgiving. As long as you register, be sure to do that. She's one of the, it was supposed to be five speakers a day. There's like six, there's almost 50 of us. Um, so sign up to get support. I'm struggling. Everyone I know is struggling doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means that you're human. <laughs> um, any any last words? And and how do people connect with you? Is it your website, Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, so we can, I, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I'm not super tech savvy. I do. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at uh, White Light Life Coach. Um, the handle is the same for both of those. That's the right word, right? My handle. I don't know. I'm so not <laughs> so um, much. we'll put it in the um, notes. but I and you can you can find me there um my email address is um guidance.whitelight at gmail.com reach out directly with an email um we can I don't know we can can we put like web addresses and stuff places for people to find Sam I don't even know how that works but yeah. um 
please, please reach out and connect. If nothing else, join the Grief Hub community if you aren't already a part of that community. Um, I know that new sort of online communities are cropping up everywhere. Um, so my biggest hope is that people know that they're not alone. And register for healing together through the holidays because there will be such a wealth of um, uh, seeing each other and being together in community. And it's going to be such a beautiful event. And Sam, I feel so grateful to have been able to talk today and to share. I mean, none of us asked to be in the grief club. I didn't, I wasn't like, hey, sign me up. I'm in. No, like none of us asked for it. But now that we're here, like we all get to choose what we're going to do with it. And we don't have to do it alone. Correct. It's a lifetime family of support from people who get it without words. Um, doing it alone makes it harder. So mm -hmm. uh, this is not just resources, but people who you can have as family for a lifetime. So thank you so much for sharing your time and your story. Mm -hmm. um, connect with Katie, see her during the event. And until next time, always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hub community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.